Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Beekeeping at Five Apple Farm. This is Lee. I appreciate you joining me today. This episode has to be dedicated to new patron Tom who wrote and said that he had found the podcast while on a multi-day long distance driving out west and he listened to almost all the episodes. And I just have to send out my compassion for him of listening to me repeat myself so many times. But I guess I have to have a new policy that if it's still true, then I'm free to say it again. Because unlike when you listen to them back to back, it might be a week or two in between episodes for me and or months since I've listened to an episode back when I recorded it. So I sometimes forget and say things over and over. And you guys are very patient with me. And I'm happy to have each one of you listening today. It really keeps me going. Today's episode is going to be, uh, I'm going to give you an update on some things going on here, and then the back half of the episode is the bonus podcast for the patrons that I promised them, and it is a, a book review, just me free associating thoughts about a book. The book is Beekeeping Naturally, A Simple Recipe by Michael Bush. This is one of his new publications. It's a short, small book for new beekeepers that I came by a copy of and would like to talk about it, give my thoughts on some things I really like, some things that maybe I'm not that fond of, and then I'm going to give the book away to the patrons, anyone who wants it, who comments and say, hey, I want it, and then I'll do a random drawing among those who say they are interested in getting this book by mail and I'll send it to you. But first, let me tell you about everything I've done wrong since I talked to you last That is just so much of beekeeping. Some ways, um, if you well, it is if you're an experimenter. And kind of going back to this book, he did a short, simple book that has the word recipe in the title, and and it's a step by step guide of one of the many ways that you could start out keeping bees. Things that have worked for him. And I have to respect that because there are some people, there are beekeepers who they simply want to find one method that works for whatever it is they want to do, and they want to stick to it, and they want to do maybe more of that. or And then there are those of us who are experimenters. And bless our hearts, we just try all kinds of things. Sometimes we hit on new and interesting things, and that's the fun of it. Sometimes we find neat little tricks that work in our particular microclimate and our particular goals of the beekeeping yard. And then there's all the other things that you tried. So I mentioned that I have been experimenting with the plastic inner covers. I think a couple of episodes back, I told you that I'd found this idea on some British and Scottish beekeeping blogs. They use something like plexiglass on an, as an inner cover with an insulated top, and then the, which means you can open the outer cover and glance down in there, see how many seams of bees, see if they're all the way to the top yet, see how much sugar cake they've eaten or anything like that. I didn't want to work with plexiglass. So another beekeeper in Wisconsin, Quiney Beekeeping, he uses a heavy duty clear plastic that I think it was a packing material. And I had some greenhouse plastic that I'm trying. Well, here's what's happening. It's working like a charm. It is amazing. I'm only using it on the little nucleus colonies, the leftover mating nukes that I have tried to grow up big enough to overwinter in an unheated shed, uh, and they fly out the side of the shed. So I cut the greenhouse 
plastic the size of inner covers, and there's not a lot of humidity to worry about in the shed. It's quite dry in there, and then also the cluster of, of a nuke is small enough they don't exhale <laughs> as much as a, as a big uh, colony, and the temperature is more moderated in that shed, although the low temperatures are pretty much the same as outside. They're just better insulated. So anyway, the upside of these DIY see-through plastic inner covers, which are under quite a bit of um, insulation under the top cover. You can see down in there. You can see exactly what's going on. It's amazing. I love them. And if everything goes right with them, I'm definitely going to keep using that and may even attempt something similar with some hives that I overwinter outside. Of course, ventilation will have to be attended to regarding the condensation, etc., etc. But I love being able to see down in there. I'm going to confess that when I first saw a plexi inner cover in a bee store, I just rolled my eyes because I'm like, oh Lord, you know, what will they think up next? How crazy is that? Well, okay, now I get it. And it's not something you would probably want to do on all your hives, especially, well, if you're running a bunch of hives, you're not going to want to do this, but it is really fun to be able to look down in there. So that's the upside. The downside is when I look down in there on these little mating nukes that I kind of thought that I grew up big enough to get through the winter. Unfortunately, when bees are in a cluster, you can tell exactly the size of the cluster when you look down in there with a flashlight at night <laughs> um, through the plastic. And you can see if that cluster is way too small, I think, to be viable in my climate. I don't have anything much to say for myself. Um, it, it's been a busy year. <laughs> I'll, I, I can say that. But I think I just overestimated the size of these nukes. There aren't a lot of there are hardly any uh, dead bees on the bottom of the nukes because they are cleaning them out. There's hardly any dead bees outside uh, the entrance. So I, I don't think there's been a huge die-off. There could definitely be some, some dwindle. But I think mostly where I went wrong at, at this point is I looked at those summer bees kind of spread out on frames and thought there were more bees in there than there really are. So after seeing that in my little tiny nukes that were, you know, meant to be tiny. They're meant to be an experiment to see just how small I can get away with in the shed. But at the same time, now I'm attached to having them and, you know, kind of included those in my count as theoretical live colonies I would have in the spring because I had such good luck with it last year, but they were definitely bigger last year. So, I mean, I guess in theory I could put some heat in the shed, but that kind of defeats the purpose of the whole experiment. So I probably won't. I probably will grit my teeth and stay true to my experiment and learn my lessons hard there. The do-over, if I had to do it over, what I would do different is I would have, I don't know, I would have counted the bees better, <laughs> counted the frames of bees better, more accurately, maybe double-checked that later in the season. And then when I double checked it later, say, you know, on a warm day in November, if they had, if I'd seen then that they were too small, I might have had the guts to just go ahead, discontinue one of the queens and combine them in order to have a more viable new population. But who knows? But anyway, it doesn't matter now because I was too busy and too distracted to do that. So we will have the kind of hardcore experiment going on to see um, to see exactly how many seams of bees is the absolute lower limit to go through the shed. 
it's not exactly what I had in mind, but I'm making do with what's going on, I think. And on that, because we did have a warm day yesterday and I was off work, I went and looked at some uh, hives in an, uh, in an out yard that had been nukes late summer nukes, but I felt like, oh, I think they're, you know, I think they're outdoor overwinter size. And I looked at some and um, I was like, oh man, <laughs> this is just not looking good. So there was one that I brought home because I'm like, this, they're never going to make it outside. And so I may put them in, I may slide them in the shed, but there's kind of nothing to lose because they definitely wouldn't make it outside. And again, these are small nukes made late in the season. These are not hives that have dwindled down. If I had a good size hive that had dwindled down to a non-viable winter cluster at this point, I would know that I had probably done something wrong with uh, mite management, most likely, or they could be showing the effects of virus impact again probably from mite management that was not adequate to the circumstance. So I wouldn't even try probably I would not do anything extraordinary in my particular case um, given the goals of my apiary. I would not try to preserve those because something went wrong with those in terms of good genetics for my particular management style. Now I don't say that lightly. I really do try to get my hives in shape for winter. Sometimes that works out better than other years. 2020, this might be no surprise, might not be a good year for my 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 nukes for sure. And we'll just have to see how that how that goes. But as long as I come out in spring with some live colonies that look good, then for my particular goals, I'll take my knocks and go from there. Obviously, if I was trying to make my living from this, I would be very depressed right now. <laughs> but like I said, these are experiments, and um, sometimes the data you get back is of a, of a negative variety. So maybe I'm just having a down day. Maybe it'll turn out better than it looks right now, but probably not. But I'll let you know how it goes. So anyway, dear listeners, I will be back very shortly. The next episode for for on this channel, on the main free podcast channel, will be, I think I'll do a reading of some kind. Because as I told you before, I got permission from both American Bee Journal and Bee Culture to read some of their older archived articles to you. So I'll try to find some good stuff and do a reading um, for you guys. And then otherwise I'll close here for the main free podcast channel and I will switch channels. The rest of the podcast will be for the patrons over at patreon.com slash fiveapple, F-I-V-E-A-P-P-L-E. There's absolutely no pressure if you're getting what you need from the free podcast. That's fine. That's what it's for. On the other hand, if you want a little bit more and Bodo's podcast now and then, and if you want to support this work, then I would welcome you over there. Otherwise, have a fabulous week. I'll talk to you soon and take care of yourselves. Stay safe out there. Let's all get through till spring 